Equity Mates Media. This is The Dive. I'm your host, Sasha Kelly. It's another favorite of yours, three stories. I've gone around the office and have asked for the stories that are grabbing our attention. Today, we're going to be talking about the new music deal Universal has arranged with streaming services, the concrete crisis that's the main conversation in the UK, and a battle that's bringing two major streaming services head to head. It's Wednesday, the 13th of September, and today I want to know, what are the three stories making waves in the Equity Mates office today. To kick it off, I'm joined by my colleague and the co-founder here at Equity Mates. It's Bryce Lesky. Bryce, Sasha. welcome to the dive. Thank you. Good to be back. <laughs> now, you've brought a topic that I know is a personal gripe of yours. Mm. You've said that you've been struggling on what to choose on Netflix and it's been really annoying you. It's taking you longer and longer to decide on something to watch. And apparently you're not alone in that conundrum. That's right, Sasha. This is a real bugbear of mine. And we'll get into why in a moment. But to start with the number of titles, and I'm sure you're feeling this as well, the number of titles on streaming services has jumped 39% over the past two years to a whopping 2.35 million according to a report released Monday by market researcher Nielsen. Now, it's just not the number of shows and movies. It's the number of streaming services as well. Netflix and Disney Plus are among 167 streaming providers, and that is up from 118 two years ago. I bet you can't name them all, Sasha. Definitely can't name them all. And also, I'm just thinking, don't even try to watch everything that's out there anymore. Just actually taking the time to decide on what to watch, as you've been complaining about, that's a task in itself. Yeah, incredibly frustrating. I had a bit of a moment with my wife the other day when we were constantly flicking through all the streaming services that we have available and it just felt like an eternity goes by night after night where we can't land on something to watch. Sasha, the average time it takes someone to find something to watch has risen to more than 10 minutes from a little over seven minutes in 2019, Nielsen said. Now, it might not sound like a lot, but if you're doing that night on night, you're wasting a lot of time. Yeah, even seven minutes seems like a long time to decide. So I I think that that's quite the increase. But as streaming continues to grow as the primary vehicle for us accessing content, We're seeing American cable companies start to fight back in the US. Yeah, now this isn't new, but last week the 15 million American subscribers to Charter Communications cable TV system lost access to Disney-owned networks, which included ESPN, ABC, Disney Channel, FX and National Geographic. Now, the reason for this blackout is a dispute between Charter Communications and Disney over cable affiliate fees. So in a nutshell, cable providers like Charter, they pay a per subscriber fee to the networks like Disney. For decades, cable providers have been happy to do this because it gives them exclusive access to premium content. But now with multi-channel video and customers having more options outside of cable TV to access this content, it's becoming an issue for the cable TV providers and they're not impressed. Yeah. A bit like you could go to the cinemas to watch The Little Mermaid, but it just arrived on my Disney Plus. Exactly. Don't need to leave the house. Yes. And another example of this is Disney have just launched ESPN Plus, which is a direct-to-consumer streaming service, meaning that Americans don't need to subscribe to cable TV to get the ESPN channel. Mm. And that's just 
you can imagine how that's annoying cable TV providers like Charter and has them questioning, you know, why they'd even bother being in business with Disney and paying them for ESPN in the first place for that programming. Yeah, that's right. And we've seen these disputes before, but they normally get resolved pretty quickly. 15 million subscribers angrily calling their cable provider and asking why they can't watch the US Open or Monday Night Football quickly seeing the cable provider fold and agree to pay the fees. And that is what has happened in this instant overnight, just before Monday night football kicked off an eagerly anticipated match between the New York Jets and Buffalo Bills. Surprise, surprise, Disney and Charter Communications reached an agreement that will restore the popular channels, including ESPN and ABC, back to the cable operators, nearly 15 million subscribers. And it also means the deal struck is that Charter is going to pay more for the services and per subscriber to Disney in return for additional access to services provided by Disney to their subscribers. So it has worked out in the end, but this is going to be an ongoing dispute between cable and streaming. I find it interesting that the US Open didn't have the ability to bring them across the line, but Monday Night Football certainly did the job. Yes. Lots of eyeballs there. And the good news is my wife and I have found a series, so we're not going to be searching for a while. (laughs) Sorry, what's your recommendation to close out this segment? We're watching the French TV show The Bureau. Le Bureau des Légendes. C'est vendu aux Américains, maintenant il se vend aux Russes. Ce type est un traître. Point. Oh, that's a good one. I'm a big fan of French TV. Call My Agent. Excellent series. We'd love to hear more suggestions from the Dive listeners. We're going to leave it there and I'm going to move on to my next story for this morning. This is one I've been seeing all over the news, Simon, and haven't spent the time reading into it yet. So I'm really excited that you're here to talk about it with me today. And that's the concrete crisis that's taking place in the UK. Let's start with this acronym that I'm seeing reported everywhere. It's RAC, R-A-A-C. What is it? Yes, Sasha, the concrete crisis. And RAC is an acronym that stands for Reinforced Autoclaved Aerated Concrete. Sounds very technical. In Australia, I know that it's referred to as autoclaved aerated concrete. So we lose the R and we just go with double AC. Yeah, that's right. And the key part of this really is the aerated in the rack acronym. That basically means the concrete is bubbly rather than filled with materials such as gravel or crushed stone. This makes it cheaper to produce, more lightweight and easier to install, but crucially also less durable with a limited lifespan of around 30 years. Simon, that sounds like you're foreshadowing something there. Yes, and this is where the problem lies. Rack was widely used in the UK from the 50s to the 80s, often in schools and other public buildings, and it's been mainly used for roofing, but also walls and floors. So concern over the safety of rack has seen schools closed in England. What actually is going on? The summer has come to a close in England and days before the start of the new academic year, at the end of last week, an urgent alert went out from the Department of Education about the potential risks from rack built schools around England. So more than 150 schools in the nation have been forced to take protective steps and are either partially or fully closed. 
and the number of impacted schools is expected to increase as Educational Secretary Gillian Keegan has revealed about 1,500 schools are still yet to return their building surveys. But we will get a plan and every single one of them will be done. Strong words from Gillian there. Yeah, and Gillian Keegan's been in the news quite a bit as well in this story. She was recorded on camera saying... Does anyone ever say, you know what, you've done a good job because everyone else has sat on their and done nothing. No, no, no signs of that, no? Strong words indeed <laughs> from Gillian. <laughs> so there's been a lot of media attention and I think that's hyped it up even further, her comments. There's also concern about rack and other public buildings, including courts and prisons. And around 14 hospitals have been ruled as dangerous and seven of those are considered critical and not fit for purpose beyond 2030. But it's also fair to say this isn't a new concern. The Department of Education sounded an alert about this in 2018 when the rack-built roof of a staff room at a primary school in Kent suddenly collapsed. Uh, Fortunately and by chance, that was on a Saturday. Now this concrete crisis is threatening the Prime Ministership of Rishi Sunak. He seems to be besieged with problems, but this is just one of the most recent. Yes, Rishi Sunak is personally in the frame for this one after it emerged that when he was Chancellor of the Exchequer, or what we'd call the Treasurer in Australia, he was in charge of doling out money to different departments and the Department for Education asked for funding to rebuild around 300 to 400 schools saying Rack posed a critical risk to life. Now, Sunuk ended up giving money to just 100 of those and then he actually cut it down to just 50 of those schools. So the paper trail is directly in his previous inbox. Absolutely. Simon, really interesting. Thanks for getting me up to speed with the concrete crisis. Doesn't seem like one that's over just yet, but we'll be keenly watching. We're going to take a quick break and then I'm going to be back with the latest development in streaming from Alec. 
along comes Spotify and they save the music industry with streaming. And in its current structure, the way that artists and record labels get paid is that all of our monthly subscriptions to Spotify and all of the ad revenue that Spotify makes from free users gets pulled together into one big royalty pot. And I think the numbers are about a third goes to Spotify for its operating expenses and then two thirds go to the music rights holders. The way that the music rights holders' money is divided is based on their share of listening. Royalties are paid the same regardless of who created the song, where the song was listened to, was a part of a playlist or was it searched for, doesn't matter how big the artist is or how small the artist is, all that matters is that someone listens to at least 30 seconds of a track. If you listen to 31 seconds, the stream counts. Now, how that works out, Sasha, on average, the streamers like Spotify and Apple Music will pay about half a cent per stream or about US $5 for 1000 streams. And it's big business. Goldman Sachs project that the music streaming market would make about 38 billion US dollars in revenue recently. So in some ways, this is a good news story. Spotify saved the industry. They put money back in the pockets of artists and record labels, perhaps not as much money as these guys were making in peak CD era, but more that they were making in the depths of the music piracy era. Mm -hmm. But there is a wrinkle and there is an element of frustration. And it's because every artist is treated exactly the same. Taylor Swift has a Spotify page, as does the person that you went to uni with, who's uh, an amateur DJ on the weekend. And both Taylor Swift and DJ Fingers uh, gets exactly the same treatment from exactly the same royalty pool. There's no difference. But it's not just our mate who does a couple of DJ gigs on a Saturday night. It's also a long tail of amateur singers, of bots, and of white noise soundtracks. And we do literally mean noise. There's tracks on Spotify where it's the sound of a washing machine. Yeah. Just in case you wanted to fake to your housemates <laughs> that you were doing some household chores or something. I don't really understand the use case for washing machine sounds, but it exists. Goldman Sachs estimates that this long tail of like non-professional noise, I guess you would call it, generated about $900 million in royalties last year. In Goldman's report, they noted, quote, listening to a 31-second song by an independent artist, a full three-minute song by a popular artist, and five minutes of the sound of rain is treated equally. And that annoys record labels like Universal. They have to invest a lot more in making music and they want to get paid more. And it particularly annoys them because the volume of clutter, Mm. their word, not ours, is increasing. More than 120,000 tracks are being uploaded to Spotify every day. That's massive. 120,000 tracks a day in 2023. Rewind five years ago, in 2018, it was 20,000 tracks a day. So it's increased sixfold in five years. And you see that even, I mean, I don't have the stats on it, but didn't Drake release that album with, you know, 16 tracks on it and then regular album was much shorter than that. So artists are being incentivized to release more and shorter 
as long as they're hitting that 31 seconds. Yeah, there's a whole fascinating conversation around how the platform changes the music and the 3 minute 30 song was, you know, what we saw on the CD era, but that was for radio play because that's how long radios wanted songs to be. Now we've seen, uh, and you particularly see it in hip-hop and rap, the length Mm. of songs has massively reduced and that's responding to the economic incentive of there's no benefit. I get paid the same if I do a minute song or a four and a half minute song. So I may as well take whatever I was going to do for four and a half minutes and chop it up into four songs and get paid four times as much. Yeah, exactly. The tail out doesn't exist anymore because you don't have any DJs coming in and telling you the weather or yeah. the you know traffic <laughs> traffic jam over the end of it. But let's get on to the news of the week, which was, as you said, this French music streaming service Deezer and their new negotiation with Universal Music. What's the actual logistics of this? Yeah, so as part of this new model, streams on Deezer will be treated a little bit differently. Streams of songs from professional artists, now that's defined as those who generate at least 1,000 listens a month, so not a very high bar to jump over. Streams from those artists will be given double the weight of streams from non-professionals when calculating royalty payments. So that's one change. A second change, if a listener actively seeks out a song or a musician, the weight of those streams will be doubled again. So, for example, if a user searches Taylor Swift on the Deezer app and listens to one of her songs, it will be counted as four streams for royalty calculations. Oh, interesting. Because she's a professional artist, that's double, and then the user searched for her, so that's double again. So, I guess, like, to... you know, the value of searching for Taylor Swift and listening is higher than Taylor Swift just randomly appearing in a playlist. Yeah. So, they're the two big changes. Deezer's chief executive has been in the media explaining his thinking and he said, quote, this is a massive change in the way the music industry will work. We have 90 million tracks and many of them are just noise, like literal noise, the sound of a washing machine and rain. He went on to say, it is fundamentally wrong that 30 seconds of the recording of a washing machine gets paid the same as the latest single by Harry Styles. I'm not disagreeing with the fact that Harry Styles is more worthy than a washing machine, but a lot of people do love white noise for sleeping. And so I think there is a place, but I understand that it's not necessarily worth being paid out in royalty. Well, I also (laughs) think that the washing machine is a little bit of a straw man. It's a little bit of a red herring because you're not really arguing washing machine v Harry Styles. You're arguing established professional artist v up and coming unknown professional artist. And in that comparison, there's an argument that if they're they're both putting a lot of work into this music, one is just more famous and it just entrenches their economic advantage. That's the argument against this change. But I don't I don't have a strong feeling either way, to be honest. Yeah, I think the more that you get into royalty payments, the murkier the water is. It's such an interesting and complex conversation. So, Alec, I guess moving forward, what effect is this expected to have? Yeah, so the most obvious one is that it should direct more money to professional musicians and read that as established professional musicians and away from the, quote, sea of noise that Deezer was speaking about. It's expected to lift payouts to professional artists by 10%. So when you think about the complaints about how little artists get from the streaming services now, lifting that by 10% doesn't really solve the issue. We're not going back to the peak CD era anytime soon. 
But the important thing to note is that right now, this change is only for Deezer. This is an agreement between Universal and Deezer. So most streams don't happen on Deezer. So this isn't a widespread change. We felt that the model that we came up with uh, is, is a very solid model. And we felt that if we do the move and we show that this is a workable solution, then the rest of the players will, will follow. But Universal are in talks with other platforms, including Spotify, Tidal and SoundCloud, about adopting a similar change to royalties. So right now, not a massive change. If this same agreement becomes standard across the streaming services, perhaps a minor change, maybe the biggest change will be there will be less of an incentive to post white noise or, you know, washing machine sounds up on Spotify. I'm going to go seek them out now. I can't say I've ever listened to it, but I'm very curious. I think that's where we're going to end the dive for today. Uh, It's been a lot of fun talking about these three news stories. If you love this format, let us know. And better yet, please send this to a friend who you think would enjoy the dive. Maybe send it to that guy who thought he was a DJ in high school and you want to give him a subtle hint that maybe he needs to get his professional music credentials up a little bit more before these changes come through. I think that's it for today. I'll be back in your feeds on Friday. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.